Thank you for checking out this week's podcast at Destiny Church. For more information or other messages, you can check us out online at ourdestinychurch.com. You guys uh, turn real quick to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 because we don't have a lot of time left, all right? Uh, I wouldn't trade it for all that wonderful ministry time and what God did. That was awesome. Um, let's say our declaration. If you're new to us, uh, this, we say this every week because this is what God placed in our heart for this year. Ready? God designed me to be fruitful, and I choose to partner with his original plan for my life. I hope that in 2020 you have seen some fruit. Um, fruit, a lot of times, you know, uh, goes through a pruning process before you... Uh, and this, is, this year's been a pruning year. <laughs> Next year, I'm looking forward to fruit-bearing year. You know, yay, yay, yay. First um, Kings chapter, uh, well, I don't know. I thought I had it in there. But First Kings chapter 19. All right, we're going to go there for a little bit. And then we're going to jump over to Second uh, Kings chapter 2. All right, so... You know, today I just want to talk to you a little bit about in this season of where we have been so discouraged with what's been going on uh, in the church world, in the financial world, in the political world, in the racial world. I mean, it just seems like it's topsy-turvy and you can get discouraged very easily. But it's times, this is why the community of God is so important because in times like this, the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of encouragement. Prophecy lifts you up. Now, I'm just telling you, I, I might be a little biased, but you, if you are connected with what God is doing in the room, you cannot say that you have been here today and left discouraged if you are connecting with what God is doing. Because the prophetic uh, uh, operation, that is the spirit of encouragement. It's to build us up, to give us hope, and that's what God's been doing in the room today. And so today I want to talk to you about this, that when God offers an invitation to us, that we have to be prepared to make an investment. See, a lot of people are looking for an opportunity, and for so many years of my life, I looked at uh, prayer as, you know, hey, God, give me my stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I'm constantly asking God for things, but I'm not willing to really put anything into it. See, I'm viewing God as the big Santa Claus God. Like, he's just here to bless me with all of these gifts. He's here to make all these doors open for me. But God is looking for stewardship. God is looking. He's got some qualities. Now, we just went through a hurricane. And you probably, some of you guys are probably having, anybody having to have a roof replaced on their house? Shay and I are having to ha have a roof replaced on our house for the first time in our 33 years of marriage. And uh, so this is a new thing for us. And so... We're like, where do you start? You know, you just pick somebody. Well, I didn't even have to pick people because guess what? People knocked on my door. Can we put a roof on your house? I mean, multiple roofers came to me looking for my business. Now, here's, here's the thing. Like, that's great. I'm glad you came to me. 
but I got to see if I want you first. Like, what kind of roofer are you? Are you insured? Are you licensed? Do you have all these, you know, things? Like, what kind of work do you do? How do you treat the customer? Like, uh, I could tell you a really good story about that, but because of time, I'm not going to, all right? But I'm telling you, like, I have some requirements of the roofer that's going to put a roof on my house. I want to know that it's going to be done well. I want to know that they're not going to damage anything on my property. I've replaced my landscaping three times because of how bad the soil is at my house and probably because I didn't water it enough. But I'm like, I just replaced it. I don't want you to dump all the shingles off on the new bushes that I, you know, I have some things that I want done right. So I've got some expectations of whoever this person is going to be uh, working for me. They're not doing me a favor. They're working for me. We're in a contractual agreement. And so a lot of people, when they come to God, they are looking for God to give them favor. They are looking for opportunities from the Lord. But they walk around as if, but I don't have anything to, to put up. And now you need to understand, I'm not talking about salvation, and I'm not talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the free gift of God. Salvation is a free gift of God. There's nothing you and I can do to merit that. It's absolutely free. But when you begin to follow Christ, that's a totally different story. When you truly are going to follow Christ, and as Rachel was talking about our encounter last week with Joshua, where when we commit ourselves to him, there are things that we, Jesus himself with his own two lips are recorded in scripture. And he said, if any man follow me, let him first deny himself. Take up the cross. Follow me. No man becomes a follower of me unless he first counts the cost. He, he went over and over this with people who followed him because he's like, I want you to understand what you're getting into. I want you to, as a matter of fact, if you remember as we're talking about Elijah and Elisha, when Elisha or, was plowing in the field, and remember, this is 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, if you'll go to verse uh, 19, and let me just read a couple of verses right here, all right? Are you there? So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the, in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over and threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walked away, and Elisha left the team of oxen there, ran after Elijah and said, first let me go and kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but here's, he's, he's doing what Jesus told the disciples, go on back, but think about what I have just done to you. See, Elisha, he grew up in Israel, and he knows what it means when a prophet, much, much more the senior prophet, takes his mantle and puts it on somebody else's shoulders. Like, that would be like a king putting his crown on somebody's head. That means the successor. That's the one who's going to follow them. And when that happened to Elisha, when Elijah put that around his shoulders, he knew immediately that he was called into the ministry of the, of the prophetic. 
And as Elisha was asking to go back home, Elijah said, go, but as you go, I want you to think about what I've done to you. Think about the prophetic act that has been placed, the mantle that has been placed. Consider what you are about to step into. And so we see the investment that Elisha made into the invitation. What happened here is the senior prophet is putting the mantle on the younger, you know, he wasn't even looking for God uh, for an opportunity as far as we know. He was out in the field. He was planting. He was uh, uh, overseeing the team. And we know that uh, Elisha was a leader because it says that there are 12 teams of oxen and the leader, a lot of times we think the leader leads from the front. But I tell you what, a good leader leads from behind. A good leader is back here empowering their people on, on their team. They've passed down their knowledge. A, a leader that wants to just keep his place and, and be at the forefront, he's going to keep everything close. He's, he's going to be the only one in the business that knows how to do it. A ministry team leader, listen, if you are a ministry team leader, you should be teaching your team how to do the things that you do. A, a, a ministry team leader that is immature, usually they don't want to give their trade secrets away. Uh, ministry churches, they don't want to give away their, their trade secrets, their ministry secrets. Listen, I made my mind up a long time ago that we will not be that kind of church. You can have anything we've got. You can have, we will send you, as a matter of fact, Harley, our old, uh, uh, you, everybody remember, a lot of y'all remember Harley. He called me from uh, Nashville just a few uh, uh, weeks ago, and he said, hey, Pastor Rife, I have just gotten the worship pastor position here at the church that I've been volunteering at. Guys, there's lots of principles here that we need to understand. Harley went there, and he volunteered. He worked as if he were on staff full-time. He did that here, too, by the way. You understand? The, the, you, you get the promotion. He worked here as a volunteer, as if he were paid. And then we were able to pay him a little bit, you know, full, like, like a, a, a little stipend every now and then. And then God opens an opportunity for him in Nashville, and he goes there and he serves there just like he served here. And now he is the lead worship pastor there at Gateway Church in Nashville. There is a principle here. The invitation that was made to him, he made an investment into it, and God gave an increase. So Harley, he calls me a few weeks ago, and he says, Pastor, Pastor Rife, I've got this position here, and it's great. It's actually a larger church than ours. And uh, he said, but, uh, you know, but he said they could uh, use a little infrastructure in, in the ministry that I'm going to be leading. Would you share with me uh, the things that we had at, at Destiny? And I'm like, absolutely. Can, do you know that I have had churches that as we birthed our church 13 years ago, they would not give us anything to, to help start us off. Like, hey, help us with like your policies and different things. And then there are churches, and I'll just go ahead and say their name, Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick, thank you so much. They gave us, when I called them, I said, listen, we don't have the team that can produce the kind of video stuff that you guys produce. 
could I use that video? I called the church, and they said, here is, and uh, now I know they're more secure than they are now, because they started uh, 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 a long time ago, uh, kind of not too far after us. So this is what the lady did. She said, hey, here's our password to Dropbox. You can go in. Oh, I hope Stephen Furtick is not hearing this. Here's our password to our Dropbox. You can go in and download the materials that you need. And this is what she told me. She said, now you're going to see there are a lot of other things in there. We're going to ask you politely to not go in any of those. Are you kidding me? So guess what I did? I didn't. I went in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like a kid in a candy store. But I only am supposed to get this one. So you see what I'm saying? Like, when you make an investment, and I believe, I, Elevation is one of the largest churches in, in America. I believe that that kind of attitude is what propels people to greatness like that. I believe that that kind of attitude, that when God has given them an invitation to partner with them in the kingdom, that when they make investments in others, that is what propels them to greatness. So when you look at Elijah and Elisha here, Elisha was willing to make an investment. He was willing to sacrifice his team. He was will willing to sacrifice his family, saying, Mom and Dad, I got to go, and I got to go be with this man of God because there is a new call on my life. So when God offers an invitation to us, when God offers an opportunity to us, we have got to uh, make an investment in it. I cannot tell you, church, how many times that, that in my 30 uh three or four years of ministry that I have had people come to me and they want a position on the ministry team. And, you know, the, here's how you, you, you want to know how to get a ministry team position at Destiny? You serve. You serve somewhere. But I've had people that literally wanted to come and serve they want, uh, or come be on staff with a position. And I, I even had one guy to uh, get so upset with me because I would not give him a key to the church. And I just met him like three weeks before. I, I'm like, I can't even believe what you're asking. But he had this entitlement uh, mindset. You know what I'm saying? And listen, ministry is a privilege. Are you, are, ministry's a privilege. Like, when you have an opportunity to serve at a local church, that's an opportunity, it's an honor, it is a privilege, it is not a right. I don't hear hardly anybody amen in that. I'm telling you, it's a privilege. And here's how you become a leader. You are a servant first. I'll just pick Larry, for instance. I know Larry hates for me to pick on him and point him out. And it, uh, uh, most of that is because, because of his humility. But Larry 
serves on our executive team. And I know there are probably people in the church that they have thought, well, he hasn't been here but like maybe two years, maybe. I don't know. Like, how, how did he get to be a, an elder at the church so quickly? Well, first of all, I've known him longer than two years. So I don't know how many years, but over a course of time, probably seven, eight years. Because I watched his ministry from afar. And I saw how he served. So I already saw that out in the community. And I saw, I heard how people talked about him. I saw how generous he was to different people who were in need. And then the Lord brings him to destiny. And I begin to see uh, a man who is a businessman who... All right, I ain't going to tell a whole bunch of personal stuff because I know you'll kill me after this. But he's a businessman. He's a successful businessman. I mean, his company does like power washing for universities, coliseums. That stuff ain't cheap, by the way. You know what I'm saying? He's successful. I know I'm probably in trouble, but I'm in trouble every Sunday, though. (laughs) He is a leader of leaders. And you know what? That man will grab a toilet brush in a heartbeat and he'll run it down in the toilet and clean a toilet. He'll grab a mop, a broom. He will lead a prayer group. He'll go to the hospital. Like, he's, he's truly a servant. And how you get there with the favor of God, you're willing to make an investment There's so many Larrys in this church. Now, I'm just highlighting him because he was like, volunteer highlight, woo! But a servant is worthy of honor when they serve well. And what happens is Elijah, he chooses Elisha. Now, it's up to Elisha how Elisha responds to the invitation. I want to go with you real quick. We got to go fast, okay? So go to 2 Kings, all right? Let me find where I want to start. All right, so we'll start at 2, verse 1. You ready? You got there? When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal, circle Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel, circle Bethel. So they're going to Gilgal and now they're fixing to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, "As sure, listen to his response. Elijah is saying, listen, we've been at Gilgal, but I got to go to Bethel. You stay here and... You know, you're kind of relieved of your duties. The Lord's fixing to take me, and I'm going to Bethel. But look at the response that Elisha replied. As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself lived, I will never leave you. So they both went down to Bethel together. Circle Bethel. His investment is like, oh, I'm free. I'm already, I'm already your successor. I'm done. 
But his investment doesn't stop there. He's like, as surely as you live and the Lord lives, I ain't letting you out of my sight. I'm not letting you out of my sight. And so he goes on to say this in verse 3. And a group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He says, Of course I know, Elijah answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. I now have to go to Jericho. Circle Jericho. And this is what Elijah said. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Jericho. All right? Then a group of the prophets, these stinking prophets are always, the the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elijah and said, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah said, but please be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Circle the Jordan River. They're making their rounds to a few places. And this is what, the Lord said, uh, what Elisha said. He said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. And 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River and then Elijah folded his cloak and, uh, together and struck the water with it and the river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. And when they came together on the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. In other words, I want a double portion of the anointing that rests upon your life and and to become your successor. So he was saying, I want a double portion of the type of anointing you operated in and I want to be your successor. So this is what the prophet, senior prophet says, you've asked a difficult thing. Like, it wasn't difficult in the sense that it was hard for for Elijah to do. It was difficult in the sense that, do you understand the gravity of what you're asking? Do you... Do you truly understand what you're asking? I tell you what, there are pastors that come to me and they want to uh, pa- uh, start a church or pastor a church. And listen, and, and uh, if you're in the room and, and you have uh, uh, those desires, listen, this is, this is not uh, any kind of punch to you. I have started churches out of this church. I have uh, resourced churches. I just gave uh, a church as the leader of this church and you honored it, $20,000. We are in the church starting business if that's what God calls us to do. We're not intimidated by that. We know the kingdom is ever increasing. We get that whole picture. But there is something about people that when they come and they want to start something, I want to help them begin with the end in mind because there was nobody here to help me do that in the early days when I started Destiny Church. There were no leaders. There were no fathers speaking into me uh, uh, how to plan a church. So I learned a lot of lessons through the school of hard knocks. And so when I, when I sit down to, with uh, young pastors who want to start a church, the These are the questions that I ask them. Do you understand what you're asking? 
asking, do you understand what you're about to do? Do you understand what's fixing to happen? And you can uh, apply this in a practical sense to your life, whether it's moving to a new location or starting a business or whatever it is, apply your own application to it. But do you truly understand what you're about to do? Because it's hard. I'm telling you, I'll tell a person, uh, I, 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 this is how I thought in the early days. I'm like, I would just rather go and start a church that I start from scratch because if it's screwed up, uh, you know, in 10, 15 years, there's nobody really to blame but yourself. You know what I'm saying? But I've seen some churches that were so dysfunctional that when the pastors came in, they couldn't bring them back to a place of health. But if it's done right... If it's done right, if it's done under an Elijah and Elisha anointing, you'll raise up a successor. Do you understand? You raise up a successor. These are principles that you can apply to any area of life. You can apply them to your family. Raise your children up in the way that you have lived if you are living well, and when they are old, they will not depart it if you've lived according to the word. Raise up people in your business. I have told pastors who are, who, who are getting old that you've got to raise up a successor. Are you, what, where are your successors? I'm looking for mine now, by the way. I don't know who they are. It could be one of the kids back there in kids' ministry, for all I know. It could be somebody in this room, and it could be somebody that has not come on the scene at Destiny yet. But I have spoken to older pastors, and I'm like, who are you raising up as your successor? Because you are getting older every day, and it is not a wise thing to steward a church for you to just get old and die and have a funeral and they honor you and then you don't leave them well prepared. Nobody does that. You've got to prepare well. And so this is what Elijah, God has done through Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha, what he has done is he has submitted himself to the leadership of, of, of the prophetic movement, so to speak, of that time. He has traveled with Elijah. He has seen what he has done. He has seen him tap the river. And if we read just a little further, as Elijah is caught up in the chariots of fire and taken away in the, in, in the whirlwind, he has seen him go and his cloak falls. And when the cloak falls, and I'm just kind of speeding it along for you this morning, when the cloak falls, the mantle falls, he catches it, places it upon him, and the spirit of Elijah comes upon him in a double portion because he has invested years of his life into that invitation that was given to him on that day in the field. Now understand, God was looking for Elisha and Elisha was not necessarily looking for God. He was out tending the field. He was doing what he was called to do. And I don't know if I have this scripture up there or not. Yeah, there. Uh, so Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of uh, Shaphat. He went and found him. God was looking for Elisha. Elisha wasn't necessarily looking for God. God is looking for somebody to do what he wants to do in the earth. Now, you can apply that to a ministry context inside of a church, but there are 
people God is looking for to be his instrument in your spheres of influence. And God, he's, he's got a set of criteria that he's looking for. He's looking for people who have been faithful with little things so that when he can trust, he can trust them uh, and afford much to their care because they've been faithful in the little things. He's out in the field. He's plowing. Plowing has nothing to do, as far as I know, with prophesying. They are as different as night and day. But because he was faithful, because he showed his leadership ability, God looks at that, and he went and found Elisha. And look at this. He was plowing in that field, his investment, listen, your investment in this season might be your payoff for the next season that you're in. Your investment in this season may be your gateway to promotion in your next season. How are you stewarding what God has entrusted to you right now? Well, I don't like it, Pastor Rife. I don't like it. Well, I'm a grown man sitting in a little chair like this with preschoolers cutting out little hearts. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, I'm more educated than the person teaching this class. I've been to seminary, I've been to college. And here I am sitting in this little chair. Mr. Stewart, Mr. Stewart, how does my heart look? It's fine, kid. You know? <laughs> and I'm sitting here having this conversation with the Lord, and the Lord's saying to me, are you not grateful? Are you not grateful for what I've provided for you? It was a game changer and a humiliating, humbling experience for me to hear God say, are you not grateful for what I have provided for you? Like, be, be a servant where you are. Steward where you are. And I'm telling you what, those three years of me serving on the staff of Somerdale School is what propelled me for my next season. Now, I had to be reprimanded, you know, at least once. And, and gotten back in alignment but once God got me back into alignment, I begin to see the big picture again. And so what you have here is you have the prophet, the younger, honoring the senior prophet. And he says, you've asked this difficult thing, but if you see me taken this very day, what you've asked will be done. And I'm telling you what, God rewards faithfulness. God rewards obedience. And I, I just real quickly want to go through these four things with you. Say this with me. When God offers an invitation, be prepared to make an investment. Look at these four things real quick. All right, I'm trying to get it to click and it's not doing it. There we go. So where should I be investing? If you are looking to invest and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm looking for increase. Now, I want you to understand this. There is nothing wrong with wanting increase. The world has put this, uh, this false teaching out there that 
that we're Christians are supposed to just be poor and we're supposed to barely make it and all of that stuff. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you got to fly around in cabillion dollar jets and all of that stuff. Like, I'm not against being poor. You can be poor if you want to. I've tried it. I didn't like it. Anybody tried being poor? I've tried it. I don't like it. You know, I, I, I want to be on my way to rich. Because I, I already figured out, like, I, I've got what I need to live a, a good life. So all of the stuff that, that I'll be blessed with is kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And I'm telling you, as the Lord gives it to me, I'm going to invest in the kingdom because it's a good soil to invest in. So where should I be investing? If you have a job, where should you be investing? If you want to go deeper with the Lord, where should you be investing? If you want to do something in ministry, where should you be investing? If you uh, are the owner of a company, where should you be investing? And here are some good places. And it, it, we can see it in the four places. When Elijah was getting ready to be called back to heaven, we can see it in the four places that he went to. First of all, they went to Gilgal. I'm trying to get this clicker to work, and it just ain't doing it for me. Just stick with me, Sammy. If I can't do it, put it on the screen for me. He went to Gilgal. Now, Gilgal's not a city or anything. It's a place. And if you'll remember, when the Israelites were going across into uh, Egypt, or, or uh, sorry, Israel, the promised land, when they were going across into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan. And at Gilgal, they set up a monument. Remember that? They set up stones. The, the river opens up, and they, they go and collect stones from the river. And they put them over there. And they said, every time our kids come by here, they're going to want to know what this monument is for. And we're, it's our testimony. And we're going to tell them the story about how God uh, brought us through and how God focused. What, what Gilgal is, it's a place of focus. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of covenant. I'm telling you what, you need to get focused on what God is calling you to do in life. Is God calling you to be a businessman? Then, then focus on what it takes to be a good businessman. Is God calling you to start a ministry? I know there are several people in our church that God is calling to start different kinds of ministries, whether it be church or uh, parachurch type ministries. We had one here represented at, at the uh, human trafficking uh, conference yesterday. If Focus on what God is calling you to do. It's a place of going back to, you understand, the, the prophet went back to Gilgal. He went back to the place to remind himself of why they started this journey in the first place. Look at what God did for us already. And today, I'm about to go meet my maker. Today is the day of my ultimate opportunity. When did God speak that dream to you guys? When did God speak that opportunity to you? When did God place that vision in you? And, you know, you're so far away from it now because of the different things of life have gotten in the way. Man, you need to go back to Gilgal and you need to make an investment in refocusing yourself. Some of you are great journals, uh, journalists 
and you journal and you write down things and you do all kinds of stuff. I'm terrible at that, but some of y'all are amazing at it. You need to break out those journals. You need to read those prophetic words. You need to breathe life into them again and let them speak hope to you again. Go to your Gilgal and get focused. If God spoke to you to start a business and you over here doing something else, why are you doing that if God told you to do this? If God spoke to you and said, I want you to start this or I want you to start a family, and you, but you're trying to build your money base, you need to go and focus on what God has called you. What is your mission that he's called you to? The second place that they went to was Bethel. Bethel is, it literally means the house of bread, the house of fresh bread. It's the place, it's a, a place of foundation. It's a place of getting us back to this. And listen to me, we're so far away from this. We can come to church and we can get excited uh, with somebody up on stage. And, you know, and, and that, that makes me sick how we put so much um, F emphasis on the guy up front and what he's doing. God is working in a different way in this next season. And it's going to be a season. We've said this before. I saw uh, uh, the prophetic word that several of you guys sent me that uh, Pastor Christmas, I believe, is uh, his name. Is that right, Joe? Uh, and, and, and he even said it in the prophetic word uh, that, that he gave a few weeks ago. And it's that this movement of God, that God is moving, no man will get the credit. Like past movements, you can see, like, you know, when you think of Brownsville, everybody thinks of Pastor Kilpatrick. Uh, when you think of the Welsh revival or, the, uh, or, or whatever revivals, you think of people like Sweeney and Wigglesworth and Smith Wigglesworth and all of these people. You think of these great men of God. But can I tell you, God is doing something different. He is looking to move within the body and no man is going to get the credit. Not in, not in this last day revival. No man is going to get the credit. He is looking for operant people. He's looking for people. He's looking for people. He's walking through a field, so to speak, looking for somebody he's gonna throw his mantle around the neck. That person has been faithful. That person has been a servant. That person has been obedient. That person has been a good steward. That person is sitting on go, ready to move at the speed of God. God is looking for those people to operate in their different spheres of influence. And as he's doing that, he's looking for people who are, are uh, familiar with the bread. This is the bread of life. He's looking, so they go to Bethel. The house of fresh bread is what Bethel basically means. It's a place where you are, you are firmly founded in the Word of God. And we'll come into the house of God and we'll put so much energy and time and effort to the guy on the stage and how he does. Yet, we're not founded in this. It's provable. It's empirical. I can prove it by the fruit of the United States. I know it upsets people and it probably upsets some of y'all. 
But I'm just telling you, our nation is where it is because Christians vote out of alignment with this. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. If I had to vote for somebody that I actually liked, there's nobody on the ticket. But I'm not voting for somebody that I like. I'm voting for somebody who's not going to advocate the murder of millions of kids. I'm voting for somebody who's going to, you you know, listen, uh, they ain't even got to be a Christian. There were times that God used men in leadership that they at least honored the word. We talked about that recently in our series on Nehemiah. He was a Babylonian king, not Nehemiah. The Babylonian king honored, was, he was pagan, but he honored the people of God. For them to go and rebuild the walls, not only that, he paid for it. We are people that, we are okay with more than two genders. That's, the brothers and sisters, if the Apostle Paul himself were standing here before you or Jesus, brothers and sisters, this shall not be, should not be. Why? Because the foundation, man, we got to go back to the foundations. It doesn't mean that we, uh, that we don't love people who uh, are unsure about their orientation. It doesn't mean that we uh, are, are ugly to them or turn them away. As a matter of fact, nobody, you hear how I'm preaching church, you hear how I'm teaching church, and you know for a fact that we have had homosexuals and we have had lesbians come into this church and we have done nothing but love. Am I lying or am I truth? You can tell the truth You can speak the truth in love, and you can love people, but we've got to be people of foundation. Well, I'm just going to cheat on my taxes, you know, because if I shave off this, you know, on my business, I know I didn't spend it on that, but I'm going to shift this money to here, and I'm going to claim, you know, something that I wasn't supposed to. Brothers and sisters, just pay the taxes. Just pay the stinking taxes. Render unto Caesars what is Caesars. Do not shortcut what God has for you. God is not going to bless you and, and prosper you when you over here in operating in dishonesty. God's not going to do it. So go back to the scripture. Get familiar with this word. I have people, listen, I don't mind you calling me and asking uh, me, Pastor Rife, what are, what's, what's Revelation mean over in Revelation 14, you know, 12? And uh, what's that mean? And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google it, and then I'm going to tell you. Are you, you following me? I ain't a walking encyclopedia of the Bible, folks. I don't know everything there is to know about the Word of God. Just Google it. Get into the Word. Dig it out and study it yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ask me for that, but what I am charging you and challenging you to do is be people of the Word. Be people of the Word. Listen, don't... I, I, I believe Paul even said it. Like, test test the spirits. Test the spirits. Test me. 
Test the things that I say. Listen, you should not take anything that I say at face value. Well, he's a pretty good old boy. Pastor Rob said it. I believe it. Well, sometimes I'll be up here preaching and I'll be preaching about Noah and calling him Moses. You know what I'm saying? It's just a slip of the tongue. I don't mean to be teaching in error, but I'm saying things that are a little bit inaccurate because I'm a human. Test. Get in the Word. Be founded in the Word. And then these last two things. They went to Jericho. Jericho is a place where the people of God learned how to fight. This is not long after they crossed over into Jericho or uh, into uh, the Promised Land. One of the first cities that they took out was they took out Jericho. They learned how to fight. And you know how they, y'all know the story. They didn't learn to fight in a traditional way. What are they doing? The praise dancers, the flag wavers are going out in, in the front, you know? I mean, no armor on. <laughs> They're out there twirling, you know, the color guards doing their thing. And it, like, we're going to march around it today. And we're going to, you know, we're going to march around it seven times. And on the seventh day, we're going to march it around it seven times. And we're going to shout. And we're going to praise the Lord while we're marching around. We're praising the Lord. We're just like, you know, a bunch of nuts out there. The, the, the Jerichoans must have looked at them and gone like, these people have lost their ever-loving mind. But they were learning how to fight. They learned to fight through their praise. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. The thing is, is that most, uh, well, not most, but a lot of Christians are losing more battles than they're winning. Ouch. Listen, are you losing more battles spiritually than you're winning? Because if you are, there's something wrong there. And that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times I'll use myself as an example, and I told you that I'd take two 2020s uh, for 119. Are you following me? I'll take two 2020s for, for one of my 2019s. It seemed like, oh my gosh, you know, mm, ah, you know, and I'm like, I'm trying to fight this, and it's like, oh, and it's like, Oh my gosh. And I literally told Shay, I said, I, the devil hates us. Like he doesn't just, we don't just get on his nerves. He hates us. Because we were having one after another. But you know what? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody taught us spiritual warfare. Somebody taught us a firm foundation. Because when it was hard and everything's all bruised up, metaphorically speaking, when everything's all bruised up, this is how I fight my battles. And I would, I would drag my tail up in here on Sunday morning and I would be, get at that door and I'm like, God, give me enough strength to make it through the next uh, two hours or so. And I'm like, you know, the Spirit of God would hit during worship. These guys up here, their investment paid off for me. And the Spirit of the living God would come upon me and a heaviness would lift. And it would just, I'm just telling you, man, it's amazing because you've got to understand if you're going to do anything for God, if you are going to, to do anything in the, in, out in the world, in your business, in your family, in your marriage, in raising your kids, in the church, if you're going to do anything for God, you are going to have spiritual warfare. If the devil's not bothering you, I used to be immature in my faith, see? 
And I'm a person that I hate conflict. I don't want to get into it with you. I don't want to get into it with my wife. And I definitely don't want to get into it with the devil. I'd just rather everybody be happy. You know, just nobody, nobody, can't we all just get along is my phrase. And you got to understand, if you are doing anything from the Lord, spiritual warfare is going to be a part of your life. Ugh! I didn't want to accept that. I'm like, I refuse to accept that. Well, guess what? The more I visited Bethel, because <laughs> I'm I, at that point, I'm only on, on my second stop of the journey. The more I read this thing, I'm reading 2 Corinthians, and it's saying, for the weapons of our warfare <laughs> are not carnal, but mighty through God, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Res- James, uh, what is it, 4 and 7, resist the devil. And he will, it, so I'm reading it, and I'm like, there's a lot of warfare in this thing. Well, friend, if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to have to learn to fight. And so what happens, you should be investing in learning how to fight spiritual battles so that you don't have to cling to the altar. Listen, I, I heard those good old-fashioned preachers back in the day. They would preach and they would, they, would, they would have those massive voices and they would say things like, I'm telling you that if you'll just, if you have to cling to the old altar rails every Sunday and that's how you get to heaven, you just cling to the old altar rails. And everybody had, woo, you know, just go crazy. But they were getting more excited about the man's voice and the power with which he did it. Because I'm standing here to tell you today, it ain't God's will for you to make the heaven clinging to the old altar rails. It is God's will for you to walk through every fire. It is God's will for you to stand up to the devil. It is not God's will for you to end up in heaven all beat up and bruised and you lost the fight but you barely kind of made it in at the last minute you know that's not God's will for you God's will is for you to operate under a spirit of David that will look at that giant and say I tell you what as part of this sermon series by the way one of the messages was my my um my courage is founded based in the confidence of God's presence That's what David did. I'm telling you, you are dying. I'm going to chop your head off with your own sword. Now, I'm telling you, man, that's some mmm. Little old sawed-off runt comes out there at a nine-foot giant. He, He says, today, you watch your stinking mouth. Like you're talking about the people of God. I'm going to cut your head off with your own sword. And God did it. And, but that happened because he was taught on the backside of some mountain, out on a rock, how to fight his battles through praise. He gave God the glory first. I got to hurry. Last thing, I promise you. And then they went to Jordan. So Elijah is saying, I got all these places to go. You don't have to go with me. You don't have to go with me. I don't know if, I don't know if uh, Elisha knew where he was going or not. I don't know. 
But Elisha had been around Elijah enough to know wherever he's going, he, he don't waste time. He ain't piddling at uh, Bucky's. You know what I'm saying? Every stop is purposeful. Every stop is meaningful. And he says, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. And so they end up at Jordan. Isn't it amazing the place where they came across into the promised land? They go to Jordan. They go to Jordan. Here's Jordan is from the Hebrew word Yardan, which means literally flow. It's a place of anointing. It's a place of transition. It's a place of going from your ability and God transitions a flow of his anointing and he takes what you got and makes it better. That's what anointing is. See, we can, we can play some good songs and sing some good songs, but you know when the Holy Ghost uh, comes and kisses that, don't you? Y'all know that? You can sense it, right? It's like, oh, that song's good. That song's good. I like that song. But God will just go, and the anointing just explodes on that song. You can tell it in a conversation. You can sense it when you're in a conversation and you don't know what to say. And all of a sudden, the anointing of God comes on. Your advice, and now you're operating in words of knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. That happens at a place called Jordan, which is a, a place of the flow of the anointing. If you want to know where to invest, then you invest in these places. Invest in the place where you can get focused on what God is speaking for you. Invest in the word, the Bethel, the fresh bread of God. Know this, my people perish for a lack of knowledge of God's word. That's what the scripture says. Know the word. Knowing the word is part of the next process, which is Jericho. If you don't know what is yours, if you don't know how to fight the enemy, if you don't know what this instruction manual says, then the enemy, you, can, you can misuse it and the enemy can overcome you and whip your tail. But when you know this, when you understand this, you can speak the word and it happens. And then the last place in that flow, if you want to operate in the anointing, you're going to have to get around anointed people. The end. If you're going to want, if you want to operate in the anointing, you're going to have to be around anointed people. Where you go, that joker just ain't that smart. He's a good guy, but he's not, he's not that the sharpest tool in the shed. But God shows up in an amazing way. Those are the people you find. The ones that you know that when God operates, it's beyond their natural ability to do. And that's what will happen to you in your workplaces and in your family and in your spheres. People on, when, when you go into your sphere, people will be drawn to you because of the anointing on your life. Because they have an issue and Bob can't give it to them. Because Bob is not in touch with the Holy Ghost, but you are. 
And so they'll come to you because they might not call it the prophetic. They might not even know what the prophetic is, but they know there's something different about you than there is Jim because they have seen the fruit of it. All right, guys, I got to let you go. Thank you for being so in tune with what God has to say to us in this house today. Thank you for operating under the freedom of his spirit. So what I want you to know, I want you to know that when God offers you an invitation, you need to be prepared to invest. Where do you invest? Right here. This is what you should be doing. Investing in these places in your spiritual